0: Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.
1: This episode is powered by DEN certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, Compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400 hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. Hello, and welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal Rabinowitz. I'm your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We talked to Felicia Tomasco today. If you don't know who she is, she is the editor-in-chief of LA Yoga Magazine. She is also a teacher, a yoga teacher. She does her personal practice, private practice. She teaches on Yoga Glow. She's a huge force of nature. What's really cool about this conversation, which I think every single one of you can relate to, is balance. This is a woman who has a crazy high-pressure job, but she is a yogi. So she is meeting deadlines every single day, running the show, dealing with so many different personalities, and yet keeping up her practice throughout all of it. And it shows us that you can blend these two worlds. You do not have to choose one. We talk a lot about that, which I do think is helpful. And we also talk about how to be understanding of where other people are in their lives. And just if the minute you understand that, how it makes your life easier we also get into grief and how to deal with grief and how what faith means and how we can all exercise our own faith and the more faith you have how life also gets easier i really hope you like this episode let us know what you think join our facebook group den talks podcast and let us know there so i'm so excited so I get to have Felicia here today, and I feel like we've had, it's been so fun, like since I've opened up the den, I've gotten to know you a little bit, mm-hmm. I get to see you here and there at events, but this is going to be like the first time I really get to sit down and like chat chat with you, and I, I'm excited about it.
2: Well, I'm excited about it too, and I think, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet you through the den, and just being able to cross paths in the space that you've created here, I'm just really in awe and honored oh, by you're so what sweet. you're doing to create this real space for community for practice and for living something especially in Los Angeles where we can end up just kind of running around oh yeah and where's the place where we can find time to just be and to sit still and to actually practice that
1: I mean it's so that's exactly why it exists because it is so true especially LA Compared to so many places, it really is hard for people to convince themselves it's okay to stop and sit. I mean, for me, that's why I wanted a place because I do feel like for some people, if they make the appointment or the time and hold themselves accountable, I am this person, so I'll speak for myself, then they will actually do it. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, then it's like you're always trying. It's on your list, and you never do it. Whatever that version is for you, whether it's meditation or just relaxing or whatever version of self-care or yoga or exercise – you know, sometimes if you're not showing up somewhere, it's really hard to actually do it and make it part of your everyday life.
2: Right, because at home, you have all of the things th- that you need to do at home, right? There's the the directions your family pulls you into and your obligations and your joys in that. There's just the physical aspects of the home. And not that people can't meditate at home or practice at home, because I believe that you can but I also believe that there is an immense power in positive peer pressure. <laughs> I love that positive peer
1: pressure. Positive peer pressure, right? PPP, <laughs> the triple P. The triple P,
2: <laughs> and and in essence, in at the den, that's something that there's a space to create that right, that positive peer pressure, and actually coming together and being able to be with other people and be with other people in such a way that your positive habits can be reinforced or your positive attitude can be reinforced or your
1: positive discipline or being held accountable. It's so true. It's funny because we were just talking about it because there's a workshop this weekend about dreams. And we were just saying, like, Nicole was actually like, will my friend want to go? Will she not want to go? And listen, then her friend was like, let's go to the-. It's like, you know, if you can pull people, you end up doing, like, really great things for yourself. Sometimes it is... Also, I don't know how you feel about this, because you've been teaching meditation for a long time, too, as well as yoga. What people don't always get to, like, ugh, but why would you want to do it with a bunch of people around you? And I'm like, oh, God, the, it's not only even just the peer pressure, but the power of the energy that happens. Even if you're not sensitive to it, even if you're like, I'm not an energy person, just sitting with a group of people and actually going into a practice is beautiful. Like, there, it, there is something that elevates you or takes you sometimes, t- takes me at least to a deeper place sometimes. And, like, yes, can there be distractions, which I know bothers some people? Can it be harder if you have someone who's breathing a little bit heavier next to you? But that's all part of, like, teaching you how to have a stronger self-practice because you're learning how to keep your own container. But then when everyone's, like, I'll speak for meditation, like, meditation combines and like all that energy. And when you're elevating your energy together, it's intense in a great way. Oh, it's definitely intense
2: in a great way. And I know that I've found over my own personal practice throughout the years and even teaching, there is something magic that happens when you're in a room with other people. Because yes, there's the distractions or there's the heavy breather behind (laughs) you, or there's the, you know, fidgety rustler next to you. But there's also just the mm, what's the right word, but just the upliftment, right? Or the, you stay in the practice longer when there are other people around you who are also in it. I'm actually sure that's positive peer pressure again. There's positive peer pressure. And you are uplifted, I think, by the energy of other people and just that collective momentum. And in many yoga traditions and meditation lineages, they'll even talk about, you know, places where people are meditating regularly, that the place itself starts to be affected by, vibrates, and even reinforces that energy.
1: I couldn't agree with that more. And I've said this a million times. Like for me also, churches, Mm -hmm. which people wouldn't necessarily think that, but that's exactly what happens in churches. And so when you, for me, when I'm in Europe and you're going to these churches that are how many hundreds of years old? I mean, they go back so far. So think about the amount of, people who have put that praying energy, which in some ways is a form of meditation, you know, they're sitting there, you can feel it. Like it's, uh, this little Jew girl loves walking into a good European church for that exact reason. Like I walk in, I'm like, whoa, like some of those old ones, you can feel it. Like I just have to sit down and almost like breathe it in for that exact reason that you're saying, which it's like, you can feel the years of that vibration of, you know, whatever it is that's happening in there, you can feel it because it's just been in those walls for so long and part of that building, it's like part of its fiber at that point.
2: Right, it's part of its fiber and it's the its the act of prayer, it's the act of contemplation, it's the act of community, it's all yeah. of that. And those are things that that I think feed us as humans, as human beings, as much as we're fed by food, right? Yeah. So, you know, that those things that we take in, which is... The collective upliftment. It is the prayer. It is the meditation. It is the contemplation. It is the stillness, and it is the possibility and
1: the potential and the power of that. More peace. <laughs> I love it. Let's just make this a P episode. <laughs> <laughs> episode. <laughs> People are like this is going to get real annoying real fast. <laughs> yeah, let's let's come up well, with some I other will letters. Stop it. Yeah, yes.
2: yeah. But in any case, there. That's part of the. The power and that's <laughs> sorry. Now, now, <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of you know, it does bring our meditation deeper, I think. And whether you believe that or not, and whether you're like, oh no, that sounds a little too woo woo. What are you talking about with the it's vibrations? Happening you. It's happening around you, and you definitely, I think, feel it, even if you're somebody who doesn't necessarily think of themselves as somebody sensitive to those. I agree with that. That's why, you know, and yeah.
1: I'm sure as a teacher, you say this too. It's always why it's like just go into the room. So whether you're going into meditation class or you're going into yoga, if like you're going through something, even if you're like, like you said, not a believer, feel like it's too woo-woo, I guarantee if you even just sat there, like you say, like in child's pose, like the whole time, you will actually be uplifted by the time you leave because just being surrounded by the work the others are doing, you luckily benefit by that as well. And it becomes like internal work for yourself. You know what I mean? It's like... Absolutely. Because we're affected by, you think about being in
2: a room, whether that room is an airport or a room in a home or at a bar where there's television on, right? You don't have to believe what they're saying on television, but you're affected by whatever it is that's going on. And I love television. This is not (laughs) I'm not ragging (laughs) on television, but it's also about, you know, whatever we're we're taking in, whatever's around us, we're we're affected by it. So it can also be looking at, well what's the channel that you're choosing to have to, to have on? What are you choosing to watch or to listen to, or that's around you? And just like you're affected by whatever's being spoken about on the television around you, you're also being affected by the fact that the people around you are meditating.
1: But I kind of love how you just said that, the what channel, because you could take that a couple different ways that I think is really interesting, which is, you know, what TV station do you want to watch in life? Mm-hmm. So, like, where are you putting yourself? Who are you surrounding yourself by? What things are you walking into? And also, What channel are you putting out? So it's like if you can upgrade yourself, you know, whether, again, through meditation, yoga, whatever your self-care is, whatever things, if you can upgrade yourself and change your channel and what you're putting out, that's amazing. Because like you said, it's still a network. It's still TV. It's still a show that other people are going to be reacting to also. So the whole network just keeps upgrading. So if someone else is upgrading, it affects you if you're around them. And then if you choose to be conscious about upgrading yourself too – you are also upgrading the other people around you. And that's amazing.
2: It's amazing. And if you think about it, you know, going back to that that um, television analogy, right, you think about the, the shows that uplift us. Or you think about the stories that we become absorbed in. Or you think about those moments where you change the channel and find something that you love or that makes you think or that gives you something to talk about, right, or that changes your perspective. You know, that's yeah. what we're also doing through practice is – diving into the story of our own life, upgrading the channel of the thoughts of our mind, choosing something that gives us an opportunity to have a new perspective on the world
1: that we're walking in. So talk to me about how you got here. I mean, you're editor-in-chief of LA Yoga Magazine. You are a very successful teacher. You have a private practice. But like, I'm just thinking like as kids when we grow up and you're like, what do I want to be? Especially like for you, like I'm sure it wasn't I want to do something in yoga because it wasn't even as prevalent back then. Like now it's a very different thing. I'm sure people are like being raised and their parents might be doing yoga around them. And not that that didn't exist at all, but it was a way tinier little bubble if it did exist. So like what was it for you? What did you think you wanted to be? Who were you? And then how did you end up here? I know that's a huge question. So let's (laughs) take it apart like in pieces. Well, I grew up, I had a pretty ordinary childhood. You know,
2: I grew up in a small town in Connecticut. What town? Bethel. Okay. 15,000 people. Wow, it's, that is small. It's right next to Newtown and Danbury. And, you know, it's it's not a particularly notable place. It's just kind of a <laughs> small New England town. There, There were no yoga studios when I was growing up there. It wasn't like you could tick off being a yoga instructor is what I want to be when I grow up. And, you know, I came from a Pretty conventional middle class Catholic family. So you know, I grew up in a very um, devout home that was focused on ritual and going to church every Sunday and um, and all of these things. And then siblings, I have a younger sister, and my name Felicia means happiness, and her name is Joy. So we were intentionally named (laughs) that way. (laughs) We were intentionally. Is she joyful? She is joyful. Yeah, she is joyful. Absolutely. So we were intentionally named for happiness and joy. And, um, you know, growing up, I think I was always like slightly unconventional. You know, I was like, oh, I want to live in. Montana and raise goats, or I wanted I to I love be, that
1: you knew that then. <laughs> like, I love that that was even a suggestion. <laughs> right. And I grew up in
2: Connecticut. Or I wanted to be a writer. So there there are some through lines or some threads throughout my life that are definitely there. Or I thought I wanted to go into medicine or... Um, and I, I have a degree in nursing. So there are things that were definitely through lines, you know, in my life that do have followed me to today, even though I would not have ever guessed that I would have been the editor of a yoga magazine in Los Angeles. That was not, you know, I, I didn't really ever plan on moving to LA. I didn't really plan on being a magazine editor, but I did plan on living out West. And I did plan on somehow working in writing as well as health and healing. So, so the seeds were there. The seeds were definitely there. And when I was in high school, um, I was greatly influenced by reading, you know, Emerson and Thoreau and the Transcendentalists. And I took classes in um, world religions. And that's when I discovered, you know, the teachings of meditation. And you went to Boulder, right? Well, I went to Boulder for um, college. Yeah, I lived in... As soon you I'm at high school, right? Yeah, Sorry. so in high school in Bethel, Connecticut, you know, I started becoming just enamored with these sorts of ideas around yoga and meditation and philosophy. And um, I found a meditation center near my house. You and did? Yes. With like a little three-line thing in the newspaper for an open meditation on Sunday nights.
1: And what type of meditation was it?
2: Well, it was um, in the lineage of a teacher who's still teaching, Sri Anandima. So it was a very kind of traditional, chakra-based,
1: you know, Indian teacher meditation. <laughs> Perfect. Her dog <laughs> just jumped on our table. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like, I, she's like trying to get him comfortable on the chair. He's like, um, no, thank you. I'm gonna get on this because it's a massage table. He's like, I'm gonna get up here and get some serious love. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, and I'm, I'm laughing. So my dog meditates with me a lot. But um and she likes soft That's things. She. She's like, Oh, this is the softest place in the I room. And it's smart sit doggy.
1: On, I'm gonna sit on the meditation table. A smart doggy. How so when you' Why did you even look from it? Was it just curiosity because you were studying it in books? And I was you're like, curi- what is it? Absolutely. I was
2: curiosity because I was studying in books. And it was like that that the, those things that you're drawn to. Like I got out books on yoga in the library, like the town library in Bethel. I would get out whatever books there were, like Richard Hittleman and Lilius Follin and like these old school Do yoga like books. you like a
1: serious interest in it? And not just, I'm guessing, for like the movement, but like the history and the lineage and Everything. what it was about. Yeah. And, okay.
2: Yeah. And this was in... In the 80s. That's crazy. (laughs) Right? The
1: 80s in Connecticut. Connecticut.
2: Right. Right? And I have, you know, it was like something turned on in my brain and that was like, I want to know
1: about this. So paint the picture. What are the Catholic parents thinking? Well, and then I became a vegetarian. Oh, God. (laughs) You're like hitting them up. all the (laughs) Right? I'm like 16. I become a vegetarian. And why that, though? That's interesting. Like, out of being rebellious or was there something seriously inside well i think it was a combination of reading about you know the
2: interest in yoga and meditation and i think there was also i read diet for new america and then i started reading so i was and still to this day an avid reader i read constantly i love reading and so i would read just all these things about different ideas so it was it was books and i was like i'm going to be a vegetarian and they're (laughs) like you're gonna do what (laughs) right you know
1: and not easy to do back then.
2: Not easy necessarily yeah. to do in the eighties in Connecticut. And I kind of went back and forth with it. I was a vegetarian and then I started eating meat again and then I was kind of back and forth because it was this whole It's hard.
1: It's hard to get at that point it was harder to get your nutritional intake because the reason it was just not as prevalent.
2: Right, not as prevalent. There weren't as many options. Like yeah. now you go to the store and there's every possible type of everything that's Everything, not meat. <laughs> everything that's not meat. It's right? true though. Yeah, but even sort of options around cooking or recipes. And again, I grew up in a pretty conventional household where the idea of being a vegetarian was having fish sticks on
1: Fridays. <laughs> so were they supportive of you or were they like, what happened to our child?s What, like, did you have a good relationship with your parents? I did. And I do still, you know, obviously,
2: not obviously, because it's not necessarily obvious, but I do. I think they've always thought that I was a bit <laughs> <laughs> like where did this person where did this person come from and when I was in college at the University of Colorado Boulder where I went to because I wanted to live out west and I really wanted to live in the mountains and and live in a western area and I did my teacher training my yoga teacher training and my meditation teacher training when I was in college because again I knew I was just like this is this is something that is part of me and part of my life And I haven't lived in a small urban ashram for a couple of years with one of my Ayurveda teachers. And so I think my parents thought, they were just like, "What is this?" But we'll just roll with it. That's amazing. Cause and there
1: are parents that don't know how to roll with it. No,
2: and I did get real
1: degrees. So. <laughs> so you
2: you kept them satiated. I kept them satiated. I got a bachelor's degree in environmental biology, and I got a nursing degree. So
1: so they were like, "Oh, this is a phase. She's gonna end up doing." Yeah, these and then <laughs> I,
2: I'm running a yoga magazine, and they're like, "Okay," but you know now they. My they have gone to yoga classes with me and Do they do yoga regularly or no? Sometimes. My mother (laughs) sometimes does yoga regularly. I love that. Sometimes does it regularly. (laughs) 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 My sister does yoga really regularly. She does? Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. And like do have they come to your classes? And was that weird to teach them?
2: No, it's not weird to teach them. I'm trying I think I've gone to classes with them and um my sister has come to my classes and they have come um because i've been involved also in the ayurvedic community for a long time i um we had a conference of the national ayurvedic medical association of which i was the conference chair and that was maybe at least 10 years ago maybe longer and it was on the east coast and they came to the conference which was a Kind of a little bit of a big deal for
1: them. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I always find like, my because my parents are similar, they've always been very supportive. But they are also, you know, they were, uh, my dad was raised in the Depression. My mom was like Israeli and like fought in war. So they are very practical Mm -hmm. and very successful. They did very well for themselves. And both of them like did well for themselves from nothing to something. So they do, same thing, expect it's like the education, the this, and same thing. Like I always kept doing those things that made them feel okay about it. But whenever you do something, you can tell the things that they're like, oh, it's okay. You know what I mean? so whether, I remember like when we were in Mindful Magazine and like weirdly I was on the cover, I think that's when all of this became okay for them. Which I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But I think they don't do it on purpose. It's just, it's a touchstone for them that makes being like, oh, I don't understand that world, but she's doing fine. You know what I mean? I it's do. I know what you
2: mean. And I've definitely gone through that sort of thing myself, too, right? Like being at, at a conference, say, with medical professionals what, yeah. where I'm up on stage That's presenting. why I brought it up. It seems Yeah, they're similar. like, oh, okay. Th- this is... You look very important. Yeah. There, <laughs> there are other people here. This isn't just you off on the fringe doing something. And I'm not trying to trivialize even, you know, the studies of yoga and Ayurveda by saying, oh, and I have a real degree. But I think that there's a sense of, you know, having – completed certain things in my life that are the conventional milestones by which we mark things in in the world that we live in today right and that's also part of you know negotiating even the importance of practice say yoga and meditation in the world we live in today is that we're negotiating these things that okay here's our what we would call our mainstream view of the world and here's things that feel fringe but they're not it's all integrated together right it's all part of it together like i know that My meditation practice has been instrumental in helping me to stay grounded through all of the, you know, various challenges and other milestones in life. Like when when I did my, um, when I took my nursing licensing exam, you know, I went into the testing center, sat at, you know, my table and my desk in my little room where, you know, you have everybody watching you for your proctored exam, and I started out by meditating, I start and I would do that even for all my exams in nursing school. I would sit in the exam room. And maybe for a minute, right? I would start with a meditation practice just to have that sense of transition from getting
1: there to being there. I love that. <coughs> I mean, when you came in, we were talking about the idea of like cycles, because mm-hmm. you have a monthly magazine and right. so it's deadline, deadline, deadline. And we were saying how you you get, you know, there's a momentum to reach the deadline, finish the deadline, and then a relief and a feeling of, you know, you did it, you won, but then it all starts over again. So I find that so interesting that you were already kind of very aware of that cycle even within yourself back then that you kind of knew how to put the pause in it, like Mm -hmm. actually bring the pause to you.
2: Right. And it's something, you know, I still do to this day, right? Like working working in media running a magazine it is deadline 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 and the moment I feel the sense of relief of okay that completed that one thing there's the next thing right and so a lot often I'll sit and actually do a short practice before I start out whether it's writing something or producing something or doing something is okay here's that drop in right like I have my separate meditation practice but it's also the way of I think there's a great benefit to integrating meditation throughout the day just for those those moments and those cycles.
1: But I think that's this is like a great conversation because I what I love about this is you do have a very high stress job. That is crazy that has you know like we said demands around the corner, deadlines around the corner at all times. But you also, you have private practice, you teach students, you teach online, you practice for yourself. So you are like this weird prime example of someone who can live in today's life, the world that is a little, very fast paced, not a little mm-hmm. fast paced, this world is very fast paced. And you've, you're you managing, I'll say managing because I want to hear from you if you think you actually are or not, <laughs> managing to integrate the two of somehow like keeping yourself grounded and keeping your practice and keeping yourself healthy that way while still being able to participate in that part of the world.
2: I hope so. And it's my intention. You know, I think managing sometimes implies that we have it all figured out, whereas it's a daily process and there's definitely balls that i drop probably every hour <laughs> 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 and we all do we all do right and i think there's some an, an, of us don't admit it <laughs> <laughs> and i think there's an importance of having compassion for ourselves throughout that right and that's something that that i integrate again in throughout my day and through my regular practice and even through my you know throughout the day practice it is something because I think there's there's a sense of you know this world has many worlds within it right this world has many perspectives has many layers has many points of view has many you know things happening and crossing at any moment so whether it's we're driving across town in Los Angeles or addressing you know what our family needs at the moment or you, or the deadline pressure right you know okay these things have to happen at certain times and certain days and. Other people are counting on me for things and I'm counting on other people. So there's a sense of the ecosystem and the community in which we live. And I think that's where really the benefit of these practices becomes even more so. I think that we think about, you know, okay, well, meditation or yoga or Ayurveda or all of the above. These are, you know, so-called ancient practices and they are. But they're also practices that I think are so key and so critical and even made for these times yeah right that we have to be able to find stillness even amidst the the rushed up insanity of everything happening all at once and everything happening all at once and and i think the answer isn't that we're going to shut it we're going to turn it off but we're going to increase our capacity to be able to walk through it
1: I love that. I want people to pay attention to the increased capacity part, because I think that gets looked over. I th- And that's why I wanted to have this conversation. I think people really do feel like I have to choose one or the other. Like I either live this crazy fast-paced lifestyle, or I'm going to go move to Costa Rica and like sit on the beach and like really chill out. And hey, there is a way to integrate both. But I, what I like about increased capacity, I think what a lot of people don't realize is in – through meditation through yoga through taking care of yourself you actually do give your you do increase your capacity not only to handle problems which we talk about all the time on this show and i'm sure you talk about all the time too whether it's handling emotions problems things in a much smoother easier way your energy just increases period so you are able to actually probably handle the job that you have in a much easier way than someone else might be able to because of where they are at their at their time and their energy levels and how they're they're functioning. Do you know what I mean? And I think people don't always realize that some of these practices it feels like one begets the other, but it's like that one you if you're meditating and you're doing yoga, you're really not proactive or active in one way, but it's not true, it actually can. I always say it'll help you be better at whatever you're doing. Whatever it is. So like if you are running a magazine or if you have a hedge fund or I'm trying to think of other crazy jobs, Like whatever these insane doctor, like anything, lawyer, it's going to make you a better version of those. And people don't always realize that. Right. And I think
2: that's really such an important point. And I appreciate you highlighting that because I think sometimes people think, okay, well, I have discovered meditation or I have discovered (laughs) yoga or I've discovered whatever it is. So now i in order to live a yogic lifestyle or be a meditator or do whatever it is, I have to leave everything else behind and And not to say that that's not a path, right? And I know that for me, that hasn't been my path that wasn't the one thing leads to another, and even I was going to like move out to live in the mountains or whatnot, and ended up living in Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> which is where I thought I'd never live. But this too, this is you know this is our retreat, you know, our retreat can be in our everyday life, you know our Costa Rica can be our living room. And how do we make that happen? And it doesn't mean we have to give away all our possessions. And it doesn't mean that we have to leave our family behind. And it doesn't mean that we have to somehow choose an alternate career path. You know, we can be um, a yogi or a meditator in, in the world. And I think there's so much there's so much to that that's so important. And I think that is the the missing piece for a lot of people. Okay, you don't have to choose, you know, and, and especially not you don't have to leave everything behind to be a vegetarian, right? Or right. be a meditator or or anything else. You can integrate it in, especially now. And I think it's especially important now to integrate it in. It's like, okay, you can live in the world and use these practices. And I the thing about increasing capacity is something I think about a lot. I think about it every day. It comes up in so many conversations I have with people. In that, you know, how do we increase our capacity to handle any of it, right? To handle our emotional state, to handle our to-do list, to Mm -hmm. handle the people that we're in contact with all the time, right? It would be great if all the people around us were enlightened and (laughs) did, you know, communicated with us in exactly the, you know, most um, optimal way. But no, it's about, okay, how do I build resilience how do i build capacity how do i allow myself to handle things right so and and one of the things for me is that's what meditation and yoga and ayurveda and all these practices do is give me that greater sense of strength okay this is happening
1: here's my capacity to be able to handle it which is huge for all of us i mean because we're always we're all being given so many things at once we're hit with so many thoughts, so many emotions, so many actions from other people, so much technology. I mean, we're just, it's a, you know, we're being bombarded. So just you're right to like increase your capacity to be able to sit there peacefully while all this stuff is hitting you and be able to see clearly which one you need to pay attention to, which one you need to react to is a beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. And we'll just make every day, like you said, a retreat and so much easier. Right. And it doesn't mean that,
2: Things don't happen, right? You're not like. Things happen. Things
1: happen, right? Or even still, you'll be
2: driving down the street and somebody cuts you off, right? And you're like, okay, well, I'm really glad I wasn't texting right now so that I could (laughs) be paying attention. But in a way, that's what I think meditation and these practices do. They give us that ability to pay attention with a greater sense of mastery or a greater facility.
1: Hey, it's time to talk about our next Den Talks Live. These have been so great. You guys are going to be obsessed with this next one. It's July 26th, a Friday night at the La Brea location. We have Paul Selig. He is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. He's written some incredible books. He does not do events very often, but he is going to be here to not only talk about what channeling is, to dive into that energy, but he's also going to do a reading for us. So how cool is that, to be in the room and be able to have a chance to talk to someone who can channel. This is huge. It's rare. It's going to be amazing. Join us. Again, that's Friday, July 26th. Typical Dent Talks Live. You get your Q&A portion. There'll be fun goodies and giveaways as well and a chance to mingle at the end. We can't wait to see see you go to dentalkspodcast.com and reserve your spot talk to me about was it smooth for you like because we were saying seeds were planted really early for you and obviously there's like slight s curves happening to get you to where you are in la and where you are now but was it Smooth. Or were there ever moments of you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing with my life? Or where am I? Did you have any of those moments? Or and, and, and I and I don't think everyone does. That's why I'm saying, did you? Or was it weirdly like things were unfolding and you just kind of knew how to gravitate towards what was right for you next?
2: That's a good question. I probably had like, you know, six of those moments before breakfast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, wait, what what is happening now? What am I doing? How did I get here? Um You know, when I th- think about it, and um, I think we have these conversations sometimes when we start to, like, look at the trajectory of our life from a particular perspective, and, like, oh, I've had it, right? I've had the heartbreak, and I've had the agony, and I've had the, you know, even moments, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday, even the moments of when I was in nursing school, and I would be crying in the parking lot before I went in to do my, you know, 6 a.m. clinical shift. You know, I think we... I think those moments of doubt, I think those moments of heartbreak, I think those moments of confusion, I think those moments of not always having clarity are part of being human. And I agree that some people some people have certainty, and whether they have that certainty privately as well as publicly, that's somebody's own path. I think it's a reminder that the moment the cloudy moments are also part of being human and, and the cloudy moments also don't mean we're on the, the cloudy moments mean that, or don't mean that we're not on the right path. Right. Cause sometimes we're like, okay, I'm having this doubt. So that must be a sign from the universe mm-hmm. that I'm not doing the right thing. It's like, no, the doubt is also part of it. Yeah. The doubt is one of the, it's
1: like, a, it's like a challenge. Can
2: you get yeah. through it? Yeah, it just happens, right? And I think we, we do question ourselves. So I've, I've had those a lot over the years. And I think um, I've also had the times of certainty where I feel like, okay, even though this feels challenging, it feels like what I need to be doing right now. Like I have those moments sometimes even driving around Los Angeles. I'll drive around Los Angeles and I'll be like, this is where I'm supposed to be.
1: You like, just feel it. Yeah, this is a magic place. Right? This is magic. And, like, how does that feel for you?
2: I think it, I think those magic moments are, are those moments of just, like, even tasting certainty, right? And how does it feel? It feels like a sense of, you know, one of the, the things I talk about a lot when I teach is finding a sense of ease, right? How do we find do we experience how do we feel a sense of ease in our own body and I think sometimes it feels like that oh it's like a sigh of relief mm-hmm. oh this is where I'm supposed to be oh even though this is a crazy place this is a magic place and you could fill in the blank with whatever city or town or street you live in or on but there's those moments of oh okay this is this is like you know, when our craving for a particular kind of dessert is satisfied, right? Oh, this is dessert, right? Even amidst the challenges, even amidst the heartbreak, even amidst the confusion,
1: there are moments of, you know, where things just taste right. Yeah. When have you lost that connection? Like, whether it be through your heartbreak or whatever, were there any moments that you really had to work extra hard to remember you were in the right place?
2: Oh, yes. Often. Um many, many, many times. And many times. And I think, um, you know, I don't want to say we all have, because who knows what we all have. But I'll just speak for myself. I have definitely had many moments at different cycles in my life where I'm like on my knees, on the floor, like begging for some sort of clarity or just strength like and and i think those are the moments where we can whether it's we give ourselves the pep talk or whether we see that you know higher power that is larger than ourselves or whether we can rely on the people around us to just keep going right to just keep going and I mean, I could think of so many different kinds of examples. Um, And, you know, actually living with a dog helps too, (laughs) right? Because (laughs) there's something about, you know, uh, a dog is, you know, an animal that who has their own schedule in place and has their own needs and has their own way of communicating with you and their own sort of nonverbal messaging, as well as their immense capacity for love, right? So there's that that's been for for me living with a dog for the past few years has been really pretty amazing that way because um yeah I've had I've had so many moments and
1: but you never lost
2: faith. Oh no, I have lost faith many times, but you know it always comes back. Right? That's that's the thing and and I think and I can just think of so many examples, right? So many examples of not, like for deadlines of the magazine, there've been times when I just, I don't have faith and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I'm on my floor and I'm just like, just, you know, one word at a time or one sentence at a time or one task at a time. Or times, you know, thinking, I think heartbreak is something that we experience in so many different kinds of ways. And I've had the heartbreak of relationships ending to a partner dying while we were together to, to, you know, those things that, that, you know, um, you literally feel like your heart's been torn out and there is no faith or even physical pain. Like I've experienced migraines on and off a Mm. lot of my life and those moments of physical pain where you don't, see how it could end right or those moments where you do feel hopeless like I've had those moments where I'm like I don't I don't see the I don't see the other side right there is no clarity and I think it's um and where faith feels very um very hard to find and and I think in those moments it's there's something I think there's something in the human spirit or at least something I know I have touched that is beyond faith, right? Because faith implies, okay, there's, you know, faith is the belief in things, even if we don't see them. What if we don't have the belief? What if we only feel the, you know, the aspects of the real pain of, of human existence, right? Then I, and I don't know what that is, but I know that there's
1: something beyond faith. With your partner who passed, was it sudden or was it, No, it it was. I guess it was sudden
2: and slow at the same time, (laughs) right? Because it was stage four lung cancer and none of us wanted to believe that she was dying. Yeah. So it was. But, you know, I kept trying to say goodbye and it was very complicated and there were a lot of layers to it. And it's just it took me a long time to kind of make sense. Not that I, not that it's an experience you can ever make sense of, because I think it gets to faith and what's beyond faith and everything else. But so it was,
1: um, yeah, not sudden, but not slow. How did you get over something like that? Because off of what you just said, I feel like a lot of what I hear from people who, whether it's lost a partner or a kid, it's that I, I don't want to hear like faith or that was their time or is meant to be. Like I want answers. Did you feel like that? Did you want answers or right, well I I I do
2: feel like when we try to look for things like oh they're in a better place or oh it was their time or oh it was meant mm-hmm. to be I think those are really uh, I can understand why people say these things or why even we say these things but I don't think they're really useful and I think that I think that there are some things there are some kinds of experiences that we have as humans that there are no answers for and i think there is an acceptance of that and it took me a long time to accept that there was no answer that it wasn't going to be that the all the affirmations in the world or all the 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 faith or all the answers were not going to give the answer the answer was beyond that and i think that there was
1: you know for me and i keep talking about being on the floor so there was <laughs> by the way i have my on the floor moments too so <laughs> i understand i see it i visualize it i'm there oh yeah no,
2: literally on the floor yeah. <laughs> if if there were not food ordering services in you'd, you'd be there for a long time <laughs> right? Yeah. so um yeah definitely some some time spent on the floor but still it's like I think one of the challenges is when we have experiences in our life that bring us to the floor, but we can't, we can't just leave it all behind, or at least, you know, I was not in a situation where I could just like leave it all behind. I think maybe some people can. Um, And you have to just keep showing up. Right. And how do you keep showing up in a world that doesn't make sense? And I think that's what it means to be human for whatever it is. We have to keep
1: showing up in a world that doesn't make sense. When you look back to that time, do you see like a different version of you? Like, is there like pre that time and post that time? Like, do you feel like, I hate like the lessons you've learned because that's not exactly what I'm getting at, but by what you had to process and accept and look at the world differently, do you feel like you were a different person now than before in some ways? Well, absolutely, I think that. And
2: if you had to ask me what the lessons were, I don't really think about it in that way, but I appreciate that question and I think you know there's so many things in life that that give us lessons but but absolutely like i am i am um calibrated a little differently yeah. for sure and it took you know i learned a lot as i'm saying you know i don't want to talk about what i learned but i did learn <laughs> a lot about <laughs> just mm-hmm. the process of grief and also you know i think one of the biggest things i learned about is you know our resilience as human beings and the 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 strength that we can have, even when we don't have faith, and when faith is elusive, right, because I think yeah, I think there are times when faith is elusive, at least yeah. for me, you know, I'll just kind of speak for myself, there are those moments where you know we can have faith, but what is it that's that's beyond that or the 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 pain of all of it, and yeah, and the resilience of all of it and and I think it's it's sitting with that.
1: Do you feel like it's just easier for people to have faith in the good times than the hard times is when it really is, you're really challenged to like have full acceptance or look deeper or try, like that's probably when our brains are all trying to like make sense of something that like you said you can't really make sense of.
2: Right, but I've also seen, that I have seen examples of situations where where faith does, does help people get through bad times. So I don't think Yeah, and maybe, you know, um examples of death, like when my uncle died a couple of years ago and my f- my family, like I said, is very devoutly like catholic and I and I saw that that sense of really strong faith for everyone in my family including my my uncle who was dying was part of what provided that strength and resilience. Hmm. So I think it can, I think it's both, maybe. Because well, I think there are times when when um, faith is the anchor that holds us in hard times. And then I think there are hard times where it can be, okay, Where where did that anchor go? Do you think faith is a muscle? Oh, that's a good question. I do think faith is a muscle. Because I think just like attention or compassion or some of the other qualities that we cultivate through, say, meditation or, say, through practice, um, I
1: think we can also cultivate faith. Because part of me was going to ask also, like, with your family being, like, what parts of your Catholicism have influenced you or stay with you? um or maybe none of it but do you feel like i mean even if it might not be the same faith or same way of practice and maybe it is is it even just being raised in a family that has faith you know give you a foundation to even start on and someone else might be all of a sudden in their 30s or 40s let's say they went through the same thing lost a partner just have never had that around them and don't even know is it a harder battle for them to even find it well for me I have definitely
2: noticed that my my upbringing um in that tradition has still influences me to this day and there are times I still go to go to mass and there's there's pros and cons you know I think we also live in a time where there's the dismantling of so many structures that have been abusive over time so so you know I my personal experience of the church wasn't that but was my personal experience of the church was very rigid but within that rigidity and i think this is a thing about catholicism it's a very mystical tradition Mm -hmm. right and there's there's um the sense of the mystical nature of god there's the sense of singing and chanting and incense and ritual and and cycles and 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 doing that you know i don't necessarily agree with the idea that we're not worthy because i think you know which is something that's repeated over and over again which is because <laughs> i i do think we are worthy so i'm i've been aware over the years of the things that that have the things in the tradition that have i've not felt a sense of ongoing alignment with and the things that i have and the things that i have that have to do with that there is something in this universe that is bigger than ourselves Right. And that there is something that we are all deeply connected to and that we all have this spirit inside of us that is us and is bigger than us and is connected. And and I do feel that, you know, practices like yoga and meditation help us to experience that or feel that. And when we feel that sense of ease, that's sometimes what we're feeling is we can feel the presence of the, you know, our spiritual nature.
1: I feel like too, just the idea of feeling like you're not alone is sometimes just enough for if people can actually, if people accept that and yes. actually feel it, it can be almost enough to change everything. Because mm-hmm. like even in those worst times, like whether it be the worst breakup or a loss of a partner or losing a kid, I'm sure part of it's like you just feel like what's the point and you're so alone and it's just like Why? Right. But I guess if you feel like there is something bigger around you, it'll eventually be okay. Absolutely, because I think part of
2: the pain that we feel as humans is the pain of isolation. Right. Right. And so we can think about, you know, aspects of physical pain that relate to isolation, aspects of emotional pain that relate to isolation. And even, you know, those moments of like the the deepest darkness, right? The deepest kinds of darkness that people can feel, which, you know, Grief. I've heard that losing a child is one of the, you know, yeah. worst experiences that a person can can go through. And I don't have children, so I haven't experienced that personally. But the loss of a child, or those moments that bring a person to the edge of like feeling suicidal, is the is those moments of really deep, deep, deep isolation, right? And you know that sense of whether it's we can feel our inner spirit, whether we can feel the people around us where we can feel some sense of love you know what are they all the antidotes to isolation and I think that's also can be one of the benefits of practice right whether we practice yoga or meditation is those just like we exercise the muscle of faith or we exercise the muscle of attention or compassion is also to find the antidotes to
1: isolation Hmm. so what do you recommend for people (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is in those moments of kind of heightened sensitivity, right? Mm -hmm. Like heightened sensitivity or heightened pain. There's this paradox, right, where sometimes being around other people can be harder, but sometimes being around other people and being in a supportive energy, right, where there's a sense of being able to be in a sanctuary of other people meditating or people meditating around you or having that you know for me a uh, big theme in my life has been positive peer pressure and <laughs> we're taking it full circle we're taking it full <laughs> circle and in in terms of actually you know as as humans we are people who live in community and how do we allow the community around us to support us and how do we then in turn offer support you know it's why in Say in 12-step programs, there's there's an emphasis on doing service because doing service is a way to come outside of your own pain and be in community, right, and give back, right? That, that the giving back isn't just for the sake of giving back. It's for the sake of having this cycle of community, right, or being in a, a yoga room. One of the things, and I, I really felt this recently. I, I go to class a lot. I love going to class as well as doing my own personal practice. And one of the things I really strongly felt one time in class was here you're in a sanctuary that's created by strangers.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? Is, okay, this is a sense of a sanctuary created by strangers. It's why we go places to practice. And I think it's why, you know, so I think that there are those moments when even when you don't want to, even when the heavy breather (laughs) is, you know, um, fraying your last nerve, there can be the sense of finding a sanctuary among strangers that's really powerful.
1: You said something to the effect of um, allow yourself to be supported, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting because I'm, I'm sure like for a lot of people, I think that's probably really hard. And can you talk a little bit about the difference of what that shift is of actually allowing to be helped or supported? Because I think it's easier for people to mentally understand the help someone else. But whether they can do it or not, that's an right. easier thing to understand. But I think understanding how to actually allow yourself to be held up
2: is harder. I think it is harder, right? It's it's that sense of receiving. But there is um, there is something that feeds us about allowing ourselves to be supported. There's something where... I think it helps us break through the isolation or break down that isolation, right, is to, um, I think maybe sometimes we get caught up in that trap of feeling, well, I'm not worthy or I'm only worthy when I'm helping somebody else or I have to offer something, right, or it's selfish of me to... Put this on someone. Put this on somebody, right, or I don't want to be a burden, right, and those are things that... That we may feel or repeat, or I know I have felt and repeated, but there's also the sense of um I think it's a type of surrender, right? Allowing ourselves to feel supported. I think it's um Yeah opening the door. It, it's almost like allowing ourselves to feel supported is, is opening the door when there is a knock on it.
1: Yeah. And it really is like I'm thinking about it too as you're thinking about it like it is definitely removing your ego.
2: It's removing your <coughs> ego because you're admitting your vulnerability. Yeah. Right? It's like asking. It, it is a sense of admitting some kind of vulnerability whereas we think that strength means handling it all. Whereas sometimes strength can be found in, in community.
1: This has been so fast. I want to do your four yous really quickly before mm-hmm. I keep you here forever. This has been such a good conversation. And I also have, so you're kind of like the mama bear out there of like this community because you have your hands in everything. You know everything going on. Has that been hard for you at all? this question's coming more from my old life of entertainment. So you might be like, "No, that does not actually translate." But I I feel like people are still people. Has there ever been a hard time of you navigating it, feeling like truly understanding the authenticity of people around you? Because you especially with, you know, your position with the magazine, you have the ability to make certain people like rise certain people, make certain places. Like did you ever feel like there was any manipulation or people using that relationship? Has that ever been hard for you, having this position of power? You know,
2: it's it's an interesting question. I think it's part of just the currency of the world we live in, yeah. right, in terms of how we all negotiate different kinds of relationships or friendships or people asking us for things. And for me, you know, even being the editor of a magazine and, say, having a say in choosing say, who's going like right, to be on the cover. Like, you were chosen to be on the cover of, mindful magazine and and <laughs> and over the years I've kind of protected myself in a lot of ways in the in terms of um y- y- like for example for the cover we always have alternate covers you know sometimes I don't even know who's going to be on the cover until the day we go to press and I've definitely made certain choices and and I try to separate you know my my friendships or relationships from those kinds of decisions and and I y- you know I think it's something that we I'll speak for myself. I think it's something that I've definitely navigated over the years, but tried to maintain a sense of humility around it Mm -hmm. in that, um, it's that we're, we're, we're all in different relationships with the people around us all the time. And there's, there's always kinds of different levels or layers of what we're asking. And, It's funny because even about the cover, there was a period of time several years ago where I had a mental policy that anybody who asked me to be on the cover was not going to get the cover. I get that. Because I just, I I felt like, all right, there has to be some way to separate or to, to just kind of protect myself and the people around me, Yeah, you know, and how do we do things in you know how do we work our relationships in the cleanest and most direct way possible so for for me being in alignment and integrity have always been very important to me and um and not you know playing into things and there are times when i think i've you know navigated that well and times that i haven't and i think there are times when i kind of look back on you know the things i've done and i'm and i just cringe and I'm just like oh my gosh I can't believe (laughs) that happened that way and and I have to just meet that attitude with compassion like okay every you know Felicia I'm still human (laughs) you operated with your best capacity at the moment and how do you continue to increase your capacity going forward and I think that's why capacity is something I think about a lot and also recognizing and having compassion for the capacity of people around me Right. Like, OK, somebody may be approaching me at the top of whatever the capacity that they have in that situation is.
1: That's why I feel like in the last few years for me, too, I've had a better handle on doing that, too. I just noticed it, like things that probably in the past where I can see people around me getting really frustrated about and it's I get why they're frustrated. But I'm like, I get why that person did it. Like, I mean, yeah, was it right? No, but, like, let's put it, like, data because of this. This is how they were feeling. I mean, they probably have to learn to, like, control their reactions and Mm -hmm. could have handled it differently. But let's be honest. Like, we understand where it came from. It's interesting. And it's it's been so helpful. Like, to (laughs) (laughs) camera whore. (laughs) (laughs) Her dog is just the cutest. You guys, we do have this video, so you should find it because this dog is so adorable (laughs) and is just the star of the show. Um, But it is interesting and it actually makes life, I feel like that attitude of being able to take a moment and seeing something from someone else's point of view and like what you're talking about, knowing that they are doing the best they can with the capacity that they have, makes your life so much easier.
2: Right. And that was a big thing for me that a lot of different circumstances over the past few years have mm-hmm. taught me. And it's freeing in a way. Right. Because sometimes you look at you you can have an interaction with a person and take something really personally. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, no, 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 this is not personal. Yeah. This is actually not like they are really trying to aggravate me. It's like, no, this is just they are operating. At whatever the edge of their skill set for this situation is. And I am operating at the edge of my skill set for this situation. Right. And so just seeing that, oh, okay, that's what we're
1: doing. But it goes full circle again, which I love because it's like kind of a great wrap-up of like, you guys, do your practice, whatever that may be. And be easy on yourself because you will increase your capacity. And that's on both sides of that equation that we were just talking about. You will increase your capacity of being the person on the other side, whatever your reactions are, how you're approaching. And you'll also increase your own capacity about being able to just be able to let someone be whatever they're doing. Whether they're being a total asshole or being super sweet, you will let them just be. Because your capacity is increased to a point you can handle that and you can hold space for it.
2: Right, and you can hold space for it and not take it so personally. Right, because you get you see it more clearly. You see it more clearly, and I think that's also the that that relates to the muscle of attention and awareness mm-hmm. and clarity of insight or clarity of sight that we also develop through practice. Yeah, like so we can see, oh, that person. R- right, we have you know. Tonight, this role is being played by. Right? The role of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? This person is playing this role. And it's like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing tonight. Yep.
1: This is what we're doing today. It is true. I've had specific moments in my life where I've turned off the way I would react to something. And all of a sudden, that same exact situation with someone would happen. And I would actually just be super neutral, like all of a sudden, like not even trying. It wasn't even like, I have to be neutral. It's like, no, I'm legitimately neutral, like just yeah. all of a sudden seeing it very clearly. And what was really funny about it is the person on the other side, again, it was a very similar dynamic that would happen over and over again. That person actually started spiraling because it's like this side of the equation had totally changed. And they started spiraling. And then, by the way, the spiral went down and then actually came up. You know what I mean? Because that person had the ability once they kind of hit the the rock bottom and I'm not – it was like, oh, it was amazing how the whole situation just changed. And I actually had to stifle myself from giggling because all of a sudden I saw someone, I'm like, this is ridiculous. How have I not seen this behavior of us for so long? Be- because I had to stifle my giggles because I realized how ridiculous it was. And I, re- and I could see exactly the points that would normally make me mm-hmm. go ape shit, like that I would have my hand in it. But for some reason, they just weren't affecting me at all. Like I was almost like laughing. I'm like, oh, here it goes. Like, you know, like almost like being an announcer watching the show. You know, versus being in the show, which was great and easier and nicer. (laughs) Everything about it was better. So it is such an interesting point. But, like, increased capacity helps you do all of that. And by the way, people, it doesn't mean you do it all the time. I mean, like, because I think you kind of hinted that before, too, but I always think that's really important to remind people. It's like... I'll speak for myself, just because I had that really amazing neutral moment doesn't mean that when this person and I got back together, there wasn't another time in the future that was combustible. Like, it's, I'm not, I'm human. Like, it's. Right.
2: And combust- <laughs> and, and having combustible moments doesn't mean that you're not acting skillfully either. Oh. Right. Or say more. Right. Or <laughs> that you're on the path, right? Like, sometimes we think that, okay, the goal is to always act with some level of perfect equanimity. Right, right. But sometimes being combustible is what's called for in the situation. Absolutely, that's right. Right, like sometimes righteous indignation is a perfectly legitimate response. Yeah, right. Sometimes it's okay for things to combust. It doesn't mean like being. I think skillful at bringing a meditation practice into daily life doesn't mean that you're just like sitting around pieced out all the time. Right. Right? right, you can have emotions, so. emotions, right. and great reactions, and you can even go head to head with somebody. Yep. And I think, but I think it's just recognizing what place are you doing it from. That's interesting. And why?
1: Like, what's and why? behind it? Like, what's yeah. behind
2: it? And why? And 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 are you willing to move through it? Right. Like, are you just going to get stuck in it, or do you keep going? Right. Right. Not th- like you keep going and it turns into a whole escalated thing, but can you? can you take it to a
1: completion? I love that. Yeah. I love this episode because, I mean, we really did a whole thing here. I love it. Let's do your four yous. Um, what's the type of meditation you rely on the most? Probably, you know, I've,
2: I've practiced meditation for somewhere upward of 30 years and I've, I've tried a lot of different kinds of meditation, but I really do like mantra. I, and, I, and I think that maybe being a writer having a busy mind or something, it it offers that sense of anchor.
1: Do you like silent mantras, or do you like chanting, or both?
2: I have done both, and um, I've done both. I've utilized both. I have strong practices in both, but I tend to do silent more often.
1: Interesting. What's a helpful tip for a valuable meditation?
2: I think to approach it that... A successful meditation doesn't look like any specific thing. Sometimes we think that, okay, a successful meditation means I stay in it for a long time or my thoughts stop. But we can have a successful meditation even if we're restless. We can have a successful meditation even if our mind wanders, right? I think a tip is just to approach it that anything that happens while you're meditating is just part of the meditation.
1: I say that to people all the time too. I'm like, it, you're you're doing the exercise. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like when you work out, it might be the worst workout because you feel tired and it was so hard. But like you did it, and you know it benefited you and it made you stronger. And it's the same thing, because people are really hard on themselves.
2: People are really hard on themselves, <laughs> and they think that they think that they have to achieve something in meditation. Whereas what you're achieving is just doing it. Right. Right. Um, what's a food, drink, or object you rely on the most? Well. Lately it's been, or maybe for a long time, you know, I joke that my favorite, one of my favorite foods is salad. And I think it's like the greens, right? Anything green. Like I even try to start my day a lot of times with something green, like salads or greens with breakfast or or different things. And I think the more I eat greens, the less craving I have for sweets. I think because there's so many minerals in green, you know, in all the salads and the dark leafy greens, it's like it gives us that mineral hit that we're not left
1: craving somewhere else i love i never thought about that i'm going to be eating so many greens (laughs) i'm like i actually don't really have a sweet tooth but like recently in the last like week or two i've had this weird sweet tooth it's so bizarre and i'm and i'm not big i mean every once in a while but it's not usually my thing but lately i'm like i want a donut i want something sweet what's happening we're gummy bears like all of a sudden i'm like weirdly this like candy fiend it's bizarre um So I'm going to increase my salad intake. (laughs) And I love salad, so that won't be hard. What's your favorite self-care hack? Well, I think one of the things for me, my favorite self-care
2: hack is this, is just like I like to incorporate little mini one-minute meditations throughout the day, is to see self-care not as an additional item on my list. Like, oh, okay, I have to do my self-care and now I can do everything else. Or I don't have time for self-care today. It's to incorporate it or to integrate it even in really small ways throughout the day. And it can even be as simple as, you know, even when I was leaving to to come here to meet you, I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to be gone for a while. What snacks am I throwing in my bag? Right. Right? Like, okay, here's my self-care snacks. Okay, here's my... Um, all right, I have this much time in the morning. Here's I'm going to do like a 30-second dry brush and, you know, do m- moisturizer, right? It's like those things of looking at having self-care just moments throughout the day and setting things up so it's like okay I've got the dry brush next to the shower or the lotion next to the sink or the um the greens already cut up and in the fridge or you know the things what are what are the things to do so that it's a seamless part of the day
1: so on that note do you feel like because one of the things I'm getting better at doing but it's hard and it's hard for a lot of people is like, if you have a practice, quote unquote, whatever that is, um, being able to modify it. So, like, you just said what I loved when you're like, okay, I only have 30 seconds for the dry brush. You do it for 30 seconds versus, like, let's say normally you had a whole 15 minute routine with the dry brush. So, instead of you saying, I only have 30 seconds, I'm not doing the dry brush today, you're like, I'm just doing the dry brush for 30 seconds and I did it. Yes. Right. But I think that's like important for people. I'm getting better at, like, oh, I don't have my hour for all my meditation I want to do and my whole practice. So, I'm going to. Figure that out really quickly. Am I going to just do these or am I going to shorten it all or whatever? But the point is, I just, I'm trying to make it just work in that instead of just beating myself up that I didn't do the whole thing in general.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I think that, you know, we talk about modification for practice. Yeah. But what does that mean in terms of modification for integrating it into everyday life? Right. Right. Like, okay, I have. Okay, maybe I don't have an hour, or maybe I thought I had an hour, but that hour got way late yeah. because you get like the text my message. Dog peed on the floor. and that yeah. whole thing. Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's my morning. <laughs> dog peed. I've had the mornings where it's like the dog threw up somewhere. Oh. I'm like, all right, who gave her cheese? Yeah. Right, and. You have to just kind of re, you know, regroup Calibrate, or yeah. reschedule, and it's like, all right, instead of having this much time for practice, I have now have this much time. So what am I going to do with that time? And it not throwing
1: it out entirely. Yeah, I've, I'm really, really making that present now because it's, it's. It's relieving in some ways because I think also there's practices out there that some are like, you need to do this meditation for 30 days or whatever for this long. So I think you get stuck in the pressure of that where it's like, oh, my God, but if I don't do it, uh, then I have to start all over. And it's like, let that go. And just do what you can do when you can do it. That's like the best version of practice.
2: What's the best version of practice? Because practicing. Absolutely. It's practicing. Practice isn't an all or nothing sort of thing. Just like self-care isn't an all or nothing. And it's not like, okay, here's the self-care part of my day and here's the rest of my day. Right. Right? Like, okay, no, self-care is my day. And it doesn't mean that I'm just sitting around being self-indulgent and not working. It's like, all right, there's certain things like going back to greens, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll have, okay a day where, I, okay, I have a little bit of window of time, so I'm going to make the kale salad now or I'll make the kale salad in the morning and I can eat it later, right? Where there's things where you have certain things ready for yourself.
1: Right, Take care of yourself. Yes. Do you have like a piece of life advice for people? If you had one thing to say. I think for me right now, one of the most important
2: pieces of life advice is around capacity. What can you do to recognize that the people around you may be operating at their best capacity. And what can you do to increase your own capacity for managing your own energy, for running energy through you, for having greater compassion and
1: just for
2: dealing with the fact that we live in a world that's
1: sped up. I love that. I I mean, we talked about it a lot today and I think it's, if it gives anyone anything, anyone something to think about, I think it's huge for all of us all to take responsibility for our own capacity and the compassion that everyone's where they're at. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's such a beautiful place. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for such a lovely talk. You're, it's really great to talk to you and actually like, get to know you better.
2: Well, Likewise. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fun. And I I love talking about this idea of how do we integrate practice into everyday life? Because I feel like this has been my life is how do I integrate practice into my everyday life?
1: Yeah, it's it's key. And I think like you were saying, being easy on yourself and actually practicing whatever Mm -hmm. it looks like for the day is the key because then you're actually doing it. Right. I know for me, that's been my work is like being just easier on what it looks like Mm -hmm. all the time. Thank you. Thank you. So you guys stay tuned because she is going to do a personal practice on how to tune into compassion, which is going to be great. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also join our Facebook page, Talks Podcast. Thank you, Felicia. And we have all of her information on our website. So if you want to find her, we'll have every link possible. Thank you. Of course. Mm -hmm. So now Felicia is going to lead us in her personal practice, which will help you tune into compassion.
2: In daily practice, I feel that compassion is one of the important qualities that we can cultivate. And sometimes we need to bring even more compassion just into our practice itself. So go ahead and find a comfortable position. You can be seated, you can be laying down, you can be standing up, whatever allows you to experience a sense of ease in this moment. bring your awareness and your attention to your breath and simply observe the inhalation and the exhalation and as you experience the cycle of the inhalation and the exhalation allow your face to relax your eyes to relax the hinge of your jaw to relax. Your shoulders to relax. Maybe even feel yourself sink down into the support of whatever's beneath you. An aspect of meditation practice is that it is a practice of presence. We cultivate our ability to inhabit our body, mind, heart, and spirit in the moment. And it's natural whenever we are meditating for thoughts to arise, for a mental soundtrack to play itself out, for memories to come up, for plans to be made. And in whatever experience we meet in this moment, allow yourself to experience compassion and kindness. If you notice an experience that may feel critical or self-critical, find yourself rolling through your memories with desire to edit and to make changes maybe a self-critical thought and see if you can just observe it and take a much deeper more expansive breath Lacks any tension that you may be holding. Criticism can feel constricting in the body. Self-critical thoughts can have a constricting nature. Part of working with compassion and cultivating this attitude of compassion is being able to experience a sense of ease in our own bodies. But continue to allow yourself to relax. Feel the expansive nature of the breath. Maybe even if you notice constriction of thoughts or physical constriction, expand your breath around those areas. Continue to feel the way the breath creates a sense of internal expansion. The expansion of the inhalation, the release of the exhalation. The way the breath even nurtures the space in and around the heart. And feeling our breath here can be a way in which we cultivate greater compassion, especially compassion for ourselves. Knowing that whatever we are doing in this moment Whatever challenges we are facing, whatever pressures we are under, we are facing any of them. And keep feeling the expansive nature of the breath. Feel a sense of ease in your body like your exhalation is a sigh of relief and release. Maybe your breath naturally deepens or lengthens. Maybe your face relaxes a little bit more. maybe this compassion that you meet yourself with this kindness this acceptance this acceptance of who you are in this moment you can start to take this this feeling this attitude, this experience with you from your meditation practice into the rest of your day. So continue to feel your breath. Maybe you take a couple deeper breaths. Maybe you wiggle your fingers. Feel whatever you are sitting or standing or laying down on. Feel the support beneath you. slowly start to open your eyes with the intention of bringing compassion, kindness, self-acceptance from your meditation practice with you into the rest of your day.
1: Dentalk's podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edan, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Dentalk's podcast, and join us there.